You have 100 messages. Hey, it's Logan from Voicemail Poems. It's week four of summer 2017, and this week we have The Scenic Route by Nick Jean. Thank you for supporting your local counseling and psychological services by Chelsea Sig, in which Rachel changes the oil in her car while I make paper crowns out of dandelions by M. Taylor. Afterwards by E.J. Sheenborn. And we named the dog Indiana by Skylar Reed. Y'all enjoy. This is Nick Jean from Boston with the scenic route. I have to whisper because she's a late sleeper. She told me this pretty early on into dating, but what she doesn't know is how beautiful it is that she smiles when she's sleeping in the passenger seat. I've got the radio faded to my side, real low, and the only other noise comes from a gentle grumble of rolling down a saltwash road in the belly of New Hampshire. My sight lines are short and the fan of yellowed headlights etching in the soft shimmer of new snow. And all around us are mountains of charcoal, cardboard cutouts, navy shadows of pine or stone. There's a thin veil of light from the dash that highlights the side of her smile. And for a moment I consider pausing the GPS and turning blindly to hang on to the sight of her a little while more. I'd love to kiss her right now love to pull off into a ditch just to wrap my arms around her and join in quiet slumber through the morrow. We can listen to the wind whistling against the wood as she drifts against my side. I'd keep an eye open for any wildlife we awoken, but mostly just to memorize the image of her unbeknownst smile at complete peace right here with me tonight. It's below freezing outside, though, so I can't stop. I can't pause to adjust anything without risking disturbing her, so I just watch. I watch the road fold up behind us in my mirror into the night. Watch deer along the shoulder munch berries as we pass by. I watch my odometer tick with every wind in the barren highway, but my favorite view is in the car. The privilege of her comfort and trust to feel safe and warm and sleep. There has never been a piece of New England. No mountain view nor lake or flower more beautiful to me. Hello, my name is Chelsea Sig. I'm calling from Vancouver, Washington, and my piece is thank you for supporting your local counseling and psychological services. Free college counseling. It's the way of the future. What could possibly go wrong? Side effects may include... Flunking out of college due to depression, not having a purpose in life anymore because you flunked out of college due to depression, being constantly reminded by your shadow that you are a failure because you flunked out of college due to depression. If you suffer from a depression lasting longer than four hours, go die in a hole, you pathetic failure. So here we go again, one hour per week with her telling me that I suck at relationships, Or that relationships suck at me. I'm not sure which one. Nothing got better and nothing got worse. 
but at least it was free for me to sit there and be told that I shouldn't smoke pot with guys who want to have sex with me. There was this one day where she kept asking me about my grandmother, whose death had sent me to bed with a razor and was quickly causing me to fail all my classes. I tried to avoid it like the perpetual freshman I was, but she kept asking and asking and asking. And when I'd started crying, she told me that she'd done it because she noticed I avoided talking about my grandmother. I nodded and then went back to my room and cried some more. It would be several more years before I was diagnosed with realizing that the world has no safe places. But I think back then, it was already true. Hi, voicemail poems. This is M. Taylor calling from Alston, Massachusetts. Um, this poem is called In Which Rachel Changes the Oil in Her Car While I Make Flower Crowns Out of Dandelions. She pops the hood and gestures to a twist of gray vines and tells me the problem and the solution. I can't even tell what she's pointing to. All of it is gray and looks like it could reach out and break my hand. I had a car phase in high school. I wanted to know more than the boys did. I wanted to be more of a boy than the boys were. No, I'm projecting. I just wanted to save myself if I were stuck on the side of the road in an unfamiliar area. Either way, I didn't get far. I could name the make and model of the expensive cars to pick the other kids up from school until the day I got a flat tire after jazz band and shut down everything I learned flying out of a puncture in my brain and I ran crying towards the school. My male math teacher, fresh out of track coaching, changed it for me with the help of my grade's track star, a man who harassed women in the hallways and dominated any classroom conversation his wide wingspan could grasp. I think he just wanted to prove that he could, the same way I wanted to prove that I could. But what is masculinity but giving up on anything you can't fit one hand around easily? Rachel has one hand in the thicket of gray and another on her phone double-checking the amount of oil to put in, I think about trying to talk my way into this mass of pipes. I think about all the times I have talked over Rachel on things we are both good at. I think about all the femmes I have talked over, like a hand trying to pop its wrist socket and take flight just to prove that it can. I turn around to realize the New England chill has finally subsided enough to let the dandelions grow. Her front yard, a field I understand, and I remember when I was a girl, and learned to make flower crowns to bide my time waiting for my dad to pick me up from school. So I park myself in the greenery and give up being a man for the moment. In a world without gender, this scene would not be a poem. This would not be a story about masculinity. This would just be two friends doing what they are good at, which is creating things with our hands. Hands have no gender. Nothing that can be created by a pair of hands has a gender. When the car is ready to run again, she joins me on the grass with my soft crown, brushes some pollen off my forehead with her thumb, and we stand together, admiring all that we have made. Thank you. Hello, my name is E.J. Shaneborn, and I'm calling from Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. This poem is titled Afterwards. Afterwards, I open all the windows. I buy three boxes of Francia Chillable Reds because it's the most amount of wine I can get for the cheapest price, and I need to water the flowers. I turn my stomach into a garden. 
Take my fingers across the earth, trying to tear myself open to tear out his cigarettes. I delete his texts from my phone, rip his number out by the roof. I move to a new house, one where my rapist has not planted his feet. I keep a bottle of water next to my bed to put out the fire. Afterwards, I go on a date to Apple Valley with Will to the Minnesota State Zoo during their adult hour. We get to drink and visit the exhibit, and he says it will be so much fun. He wants me to go to his house after this. I pull a bouquet of yellow roses out of my throat, stems catching on the walls, put them inside a wine bottle and give them to him. I try to say, I'm sorry, but cough blood and thorns onto his lap instead. In his eyes, my body transforms into a pitcher plant, carnivorous flower attracting flies with a basin of sap, like I drew him in with laughter and honey sweetness, only to find now, if he gets too close, he will stick to the walls of my trauma until he too becomes consumed. He empties the bottle of flowers on the floor and hands it back to me, silent. Afterwards, I uproot relationships before they grow. I have a dozen first dates and wrap them with barbed wire. I tell my friends this is the most I've dated in my life, which is to say I tell none of these boys I love them or myself. Or, I give all of these boys bouquets of flowers with the heads ripped off, a handful of stems. I pray to a damp cloth. Afterwards, I don't call 911. I don't take medication, don't go to therapy, don't tell my doctor what happened. I don't call it depression or anxiety or PTSD. I call my shaking tired. Call it closing the library, a full schedule, an opened text message at 2 a.m. from a phone number I deleted months ago. I pretend it doesn't exist until it does. I do not give him a name because then it never happened. I do not give my mental illness a name. I do not give myself a name because no one names assaulted earth. I never told anyone about the after before, how I didn't know if it was rape until months later. If I should say I was raped once or twice because it's the morning after he sleeps over a continuation or a second chance. Later, I text my rapist to ask when he was last tested because he didn't wear a condom. Even when I'm trying to be safe, I am not safe. Afterwards, I leave all the windows open. I try to put out a brush fire that is always hungry. We named the dog Indiana. Skylar Reed. Nicole Reed. All I ever wanted to be in my life is a writer. Actually, that's not true. That's not true. What I really wanted to be in my life is a dog in search of truth. That's not fully accurate either. What I really wanted to be a white man named after a dog, digging up people's backyards, looking for hidden man treasure, like that earring your Aunt Barb lost during Thanksgiving dinner in 1993. I am a liar. I am a liar. I wanted to be Harrison Ford in a Warner Brothers motion picture where he, Gimli son of glowing, and a bearded Spanish Highlander, Sean Connery, ride culturally appropriated camels. And his Scottish wisdom says, we named the dog Indiana. Forgive me that my Paiute head is too big for a film star fedora, or that I'm categorically opposed to using whips as motivation for plot devices. As it turns out, it's hard to use the apparently limitless tribal college fund normally allocated for community college and the Sunday shirts and skins b-ball game 
to study at Oxford and become a rogue archaeologist, ready for action at the drop of a hat, stealing artifacts from your old relatives away from Nazis just to say it belongs in a museum. And far from the badlands of South Dakota, where the dinosaur you're digging for turns up a bone that looks like yours, and because you're a professional, academic, world-renowned, published archaeologist, you keep digging to find the skeleton that belongs in a museum is you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our website at voicemailpoems.org and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks so much to our Patreon supporters. If you love what you hear and would like to help make voicemail poems happen, please visit patreon.com slash voicemail poems.